Welcome back. We're back in the blue corner for another week. I think it's week 16. Um, and this week we have someone that is um, born and bred in New Zealand. I won't say bred because um, she moved over at a young age to uh, to Queensland before deciding to come to the uh, golden state of Australia, the best state, uh, Sydney. Um, she's five and Four in her professional mixed martial arts career. Uh, Shudog has got it wrong at five and five, but we'll get that one fixed up. And um, she's currently signed with Bellator MMA. I'm talking about none other than Janae Harding herself. How have you been and how has 2020 been treating you? Thank you very much. Um, pretty good considering. I mean, the weather's just started to to lighten up, so that's always a positive. But, uh, but yeah, 2020 has been... Been up and down, bit of a roller coaster, but I'm sure for many. So let's let's get into the rest of the year, hopefully. So and and what have you done with your I, I guess spare time at the moment? I mean, everyone's like just you know, it's funny for for years everyone's been always talking about like there's not enough hours in the day, you know, there, there's not enough days in the week, and all of a sudden now everyone's done the backflip and they're like, man, these days are really dragging on. How have you been filling your time? Um, well, I guess the one plus side is that I could work from home. So that was a big, big thing. And then, uh, obviously, um, trying to just, I guess, put a little bit more focus on social media and, um, just finding little side avenues to, to fill my time. So yeah, like gaming and, and, uh, just looking after my health and, and that kind of thing, getting out in the sun and, and doing as much as I can. But, but, but yeah, mainly finding new avenues now that we're in this new kind of world and a new set up it's a bit different and i saw yesterday talking about uh you know doing things from from home you you decided to release a few clips that i i think you um filmed at the start of the lockdown yeah but you weren't allowed to uh actually make them public or what <laughs> what was the story behind that um so it was i think i filmed it maybe like march um ruka like one of the the head like over from the u.s like a lot of the time i I hang out with Ruka and, and they're obviously a brand that I'm sponsored by and I'm ambassador for. So um, I usually speak to the Australian guys, but obviously through COVID they were trying to um, do the home workouts and get the guys from pretty much everywhere to, to do a little home workout for those people at home and those people that follow Ruka Sport and, um, and yeah, influence them into doing something and uh, being a little bit more physical at home. So I made a little home workout, um, but I wore the little marijuana leaves um, on my socks. So I got I got them from the Philippines like earlier in the year from, from the Baguio markets and uh, I just saw them and I'm, I'm a mad hemp slash um, cannabis advocate so um, I just thought I'd grab them and then obviously not I guess think I did think about it when I was doing the um, workout but I didn't really I guess think further enough to think um, obviously it would be a, too much of a clash and it, it wasn't that um, the guys at Ruka are super kind of um, uptight or anything it was just that you know they have a big following so there's kind of right or wrong things that you should sort of um, I guess be an advocate for on on social media because the whole audience is pretty fragile so so yeah just just being a little bit um more sensitive towards what what they put out and they were just like as much as 
we personally don't disagree with them or anything like that. We'd just rather you maybe reshoot them. And I was meant to reshoot it and I just, time got away from me and I guess I started getting a little bit more out of shape and I was kind of like, oh, I don't really want to, I guess, promote that too. So I, I would rather just do the original. But yeah, it just didn't end up working out. It wasn't really a big deal anyway. It was just something to help out. Every, nobody had anything to do anyway. Everyone was just doing home workouts, so you might as well film him. I mean, you get people like Luke Rockold and Kaylin Curran and the the other guys, some of the pro surfers as well, um, yeah, doing little home workouts for everyone. So it was just a good little kind of buffer, especially when that kind of trend started and it was a bit saturated. But yeah. So did, did you actually, uh, as everyone would claim it, did you actually get into the ISO bod um, when, when you say you got out of shape? I mean, uh, you know... Uh, you look pretty active through throughout your social media and stuff. Did did you actually um, stack on the kilos? <laughs> so I, I mean, you you know, it's it's always a touchy subject, I guess. But like, <laughs> um, you know, I guess you could also move up a weight class, or the next weight cut's going to be extremely hard. But no, did did you feel the pinch like everybody else um, when when it came to the lockdown? In in the sense of, I guess, you start eating a little worse. Um, and you do a little less exercise, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't – at the start, I mean, I was super motivated and I, I was happy to be at home more, happy to have spare time. There's something that I've always kind of wanted. Like, I, I love to be busy, but at the same time, I have kind of been very busy for, for like a few years straight now. So it was sort of nice to have a break. And at the start, I was pretty motivated. I was cooking a lot, you know, like especially, I guess, when you had that whole um, people hoarding food and stuff, I almost like – did a big shop of mainly like fruit and veg and stuff just to ensure that I had enough to, yeah, to like look after us and and keep us eating cleanish at least. At least it was like, even if it was just like Mexican, but um, like homemade, at least I'm making it with like organic mints and and stuff that I know I'm not adding too many like um, preservatives and that kind of thing in it. So it was sort of at the start I was super motivated and then I don't know, maybe – couple months in it just obviously dragged on a little bit too long and and it was just sort of like there was no end in sight and it it wasn't necessarily that I gained a lot of weight I mean I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I have fairly good genetics I can kind of um eat pretty heavily but still end up being somewhat around the same weight I mean usually I mean usually my big breaks that I've had in the past between like I mean, after Hong Kong is a good example. I, I fought in Hong Kong and I came back to Thailand and I got staff straight away um, and I must have got it from Hong Kong. Um, and so I couldn't even train. I, I didn't want to go to Tiger, obviously. I didn't want to share it around because it's such a hot, humid climate and I didn't want to put anyone else at risk. So, yeah, I had that and then I got sick because I'm guessing I just had a bad weight cut and I just pretty much only fought in Hong Kong about three weeks after landing in Thailand. So it was all like pretty go 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 and um yeah by the time my body stopped I got sick and so then I just ended up having maybe like a two I guess two months layoff and obviously I gained weight but I only really hit maybe like the 76 kilo mark and that's probably like as heavy as I get I've never really got any heavier than that so I've been pretty lucky um but in myself I just knew I wasn't at peak shape and I wasn't kind of gonna I guess promote the athletic mindset when I'm not necessarily being much of an athlete I'm I know those people that obviously stay pretty healthy 24 7 and that's fantastic but I just don't think it's for me and I I kind of know that um the monogamy like monotonous of like doing training all the time kind of ends up fizzing my brain out a little bit and I I kind of get a bit um fatigued for one and then I just guess I guess like mind 
mindfully I just kind of lose motivation um because I know that my body's sore and that kind of thing so and I know I like everyone has different roots and I know some world champions that are very similar or some some high level guys that also do the same and it's not like I don't train but I'd rather train for the enjoyment of it and and focus on doing that rather than with the camp mentality where I have to be super strict on everything and and kind of like calculate everything I know that that can kind of be a little bit too obsessive like I'll start and Ca- I get, counting calories too yeah, much. I, yeah, I, I, I guess as well. Like it's, it's as you said. Like there was no. Well, there still isn't. There's no yeah. end, end date, right? Like I always say, the hardest thing out of this. Like you tell me, you got to take two weeks off. I'll do that in the bag. Like it's easy. Yeah. Take four weeks off. I'll do it. Whatever. <laughs> like, you know, take six months off. Okay. Like, but at least there's an end date. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at, at at the moment, I find the hardest thing with this 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 whole pandemic is um just that there is no end date yeah, like there really there, there really isn't you know mm. and, and and that's the thing and, and i guess the same with the healthy eating okay well i got fight camp i got this there's always a target that you're trying to reach where yeah at the moment it's just like survive the best you can i guess yeah. right um but when when you say um let your body recover and 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 things like that do you and also being as you said an advocate for the i guess the marijuana we're not we're not saying you do anything <laughs> but like do you do what most athletes do and 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 get on the cbd oils um you know because or, or is that just do you find that's just a trend at the moment um no not at all um i especially i mean so i I have been smoking weed for a very long time now, but I'm not one of those people who just kind of started doing it because it was trendy or because I thought it would, I don't know, be something like a good advocate or outlet. Um, I kind of made sure that I understood um, cannabis as a whole and, and kind of looked into different ways. And, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that I was kind of raised with the mindset to know, not saying my mum kind of let me do whatever, but at the same time she was very like it, alcohol and marijuana are very similar so I'm, I basically treat them very similarly obviously any synthetic drugs is a whole nother ball game and, and in my mind mentality it is a whole nother ball game it's something that I've sort of tried to avoid as much as possible um as well so in that sense marijuana was just kind of my thing I'm not a big drinker I'm not um I don't I'll drink I guess on occasion for for celebrations and that kind of thing but um I just don't enjoy it I guess um that much I'll only kind of enjoy it with certain in certain environments and that kind of thing so so yeah um I I'm a big kind of advocate for cannabis but at the same time I understand that it's not for everyone and I've seen obviously negative effects and and negative experiences um, with it and I think it just kind of depends what kind of person you are and, and therefore how you handle things like anything any extremes of anything are always going to be negative oh, I was going to say it's anything in moderation is good yeah um, well maybe maybe not good but like <laughs> er- everything in moderation is you, you know you can deal with it um, I guess my my view on 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 the topic is I've never really seen an out of control angry stoner in a, <laughs> yeah. in a sense right like yeah. i've seen a i've seen a sleepy stoner um but you know when you talk about comparing it to alcohol you know i've never seen like a bar fight pop off yeah yeah and then you're pointing at oh, the yeah, stoner and going aggressive. well it, it was him right like yeah. usually it's the, usually it's the drunk yeah. right so in in some in some degrees i actually feel i would lean towards the 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 marijuana the hemp whatever more than I would the alcohol um 
once again, this is not in a medically health sort of, but I, I, I just guess as a society, I would rather be surrounded by, um, I guess, someone who smokes over someone who drinks. Yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, it's it's like that thing. I mean, I spent um, five years or about five and a half years in health food and I ended up becoming the manager of that store by the end of it and it was quite a large store. So I got to work alongside naturopaths and nutritionists and not saying that they were massive advocates but just understanding things like TGA laws and, um, and certain, I guess, government restrictions that – cause things like marijuana to be restricted and and to be governed and and you can't tax them or whatever until maybe most likely within the next year or so I would say Australia would be similar to the United States and and we would have the same sort of um I guess control over it which which makes a big difference you go to the the states and um it's something that I was like finally like I can Go to a dispensary, it feels healthy, it feels like people are looking after me, it feels like they have like a conscious mind about what's happening, they're not abusing this drug, they're not trying to make it out to be anything other than what it is. And um, But they understand strains, they understand um, different side effects and that kind of thing and they just have a little bit more knowledge and I guess they're not growing it in someone's backyard with a whole lot of pesticides and a whole lot of chemicals and that kind of the stuff. So it really does make a big difference to be able to have proper like measurements on things and, and understand the milligram dosage and, and especially when you're looking at CBD oils with THC, being able to see the exact milligram doses, dosage is perfect for those that are maybe just coming into it or, or trying to understand it or yeah, wanting to dabble in it or get the I guess um a lot of medicinal effects that that comes with it for things like epilepsy and cancer and that kind of stuff and I'm not telling anyone to live their life a certain way but this is what I think and and I I personally have had great experiences and so therefore I would I would always kind of recommend but at the same time smoke inhalation in any variety is not positive um for your lungs and um and just yeah look at ways that you can kind of have a healthy relationship with things like for me I don't like smoking in the daytime um, because I, I don't want to be um, unproductive, I guess. And I, I try to always kind of cook food if I'm going to smoke because I get very hungry and I'm a big person. So obviously I can overeat my calories real quick when I'm when I'm high. So just, just like understanding a relationship. I don't um, – I know a lot of people like use bongs. I personally don't because I much prefer the social and kind of um, controlled aspect of a joint and it hits slower and it's a, it's a nicer high for me. So there's just those little tweaks and little, I guess um, – additives you just you just choose what's best for you and you just find out what your relationship can be with something so you can obviously always abuse anything in life and 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 you can use it as a band-aid as well if you if you have some sort of mental stress going on or you have anxiety or whatever it is um and you can use it not as a as a helpful kind of additive to your life but you can also use it as a band-aid instead and really avoid dealing with the the things that are underlying um by just getting high all the time so i try to not do that if i'm going to get high of course it's helping me with my anxiety it's helping me calm down it's helping me with my appetite it's helping me kind of recover and as a muscle relaxant but i'm not gonna neglect the fact that if i have underlying issues i need to go to the psychologist i need to be out in the sun i need to be exercising i need to be looking after my diet it's a whole whole thing so um just for any like i don't obviously promote something like that 
too much. I'm, I mean, a lot of my Instagram followers kind of know that I am a hemp advocate in that sense, but um, I'm not necessarily telling anyone to do whatever I do. <laughs> Without a doubt, and each to their own. I mean, uh, two things on that. Like, I remember going to a dispensary in, in, in Vegas as well, and I was just blown away. As you said... With, was it the with Planet 8 one? I went to a few. Oh, there, there, yeah. there was the Blum... Um, what was the other one? Uh, I don't know. We went... Uh, uh, you know, to a couple of them. We went with Masvidal to one. Nice. We, we went with uh, Joe Schilling to another. Yeah, uh, no, Nate Diaz had, cool. an, uh, had an appearance at one. So we, we went to a few. The, the, the one thing that struck me was like, how clean these places were, right? Like, like you, business centers. You're right? like, like oh. I, I, I compared them to an Apple store. Yeah, oh, right? 100%. Because they were, they were like white counters. They had the, the screen up uh, up the top there with obviously yeah. all the different grades and all this yeah. and I was like man I feel you like I'm at your ID in at the start it's like going into like a yeah business building and being like hey guys I want to get some butt like, right that's it, a bit weird <laughs> and 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 I just think that's where it needs to go I, I remember mm. as well over there you know um a friend of mine he had um and I think they were from Hawaii I'm not sure but they mm-hmm. were protein bars made from hemp seed yeah and then I came back and I was like, these things are good, right? Mm. And, and I came back and I looked high and low for, for this thing. And every health food store would say, no, we can't sell it. And mm. they'd give you a bag of just hemp seeds. So they could sell that you, you hemp seed. To your dog. And it says not for consumption, right? Yep. Like it literally has that warning. So they'll, st- and you sprinkle it on your breakfast, I guess, or whatever, right? Yeah. But like, it's eggs. so weird that they could legally sell the bags of hemp seed yet you can't have a protein bar that's made from hemp seed. Yeah. Because, once again, that. it's that human consumption. So yeah. on the bag it says you can't consume it, where obviously if you're making a bar out of it, it's made for human consumption. Mm. And it's like, really? But on the bag it also has a map basically saying it's illegal for human consumption in Australia and New Zealand and then it has highlighted all the other countries that are allowed it and it's basically all of the other countries that allow human consumption. And it's just because we have different TGA laws and, I mean, when you look at the hemp plant as a whole, when you're looking at topical kind of balms and and even face creams and hand creams and that kind of thing, um, not of thc nature because it's hemp which is obviously a different plant and a different um a cousin of of cannabis and therefore you're getting different medicinal values from it so so i mean if you can understand that the hemp plant itself kind of offers a lot more than just um just a marijuana or joints or you don't you don't just see it as joints and bongs you can see it as um hemp seeds which are obviously like you're saying really great hemp oil heaps of omega-3s and heaps of like positive things from that and then yeah like like i'm saying skincare and that kind of stuff and then when you go into the cbd and the balms like that and then you look at different types you can either use raw cbd which uses the whole plant or you can just get like a um, I guess an isolated version of the cannabinoid, which is um, going to be a little bit more um, processed, um, which will offer a different thing, but maybe be more specific for whatever illness that you have. Um, but yeah, me personally, I'm always like a whole food holistic kind of view of things. So if I'm having CBD, I much prefer to have the raw oil because it uses the whole plant. And obviously the whole plant offers me different things. And it's like anything. It's like if you have... Um, bread or, or wheat and you, and you highly 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 process it you're taking out maybe like the fiber and the other benefits that will help you digest this or absorb it whatever it is so so yeah try try use all of it and try try to just see beyond i guess people getting stoned because you don't have to get stoned to enjoy the benefits of cannabis or hemp like especially 
And do you use the CBD oils? And and if so, what for? Because I, I was talking to a friend. Like I obviously, um, I want to I want to get or try, but like f- more for the anxiety side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friend was saying like it's it's unbelievable for anxiety. It's unbelievable. gives gives you best night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you see, as I say, pretty much. Most professional athletes, whether they're sponsored by uh, the oils or not, but like most of them use it. Like, do, do you use it? And what do you specifically use it for, I guess? And does it help? Like, does it help with things like, I guess, uh, aches and pains and, 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 and recovery? Or is it more just that it, it helps you get like a solid night's sleep? Like, what? Yeah. So obviously I have somewhat of a background understanding of, of CBD and that kind of stuff, but until I linked in with a, a company called Greenlight Health, um, they are a cannabis consultancy company. They're based in Sydney. And um, lucky for me, they obviously know the ins and outs and all the rest of it about CBD and cannabis and hemp and that kind of stuff. So um, for the first time ever... I personally seeked out a CBD company uh, or like I, I just bought CBD, um, one when I was in the United States and then two when I came back to Australia and I could order it in. Um, I was using it for anxiety and I was using it for m- like muscle relaxants and that kind of thing, um, especially towards nighttime, like as a, as a lower to kind of wean me into getting that good night's sleep. Um, and that's what I kind of always knew it to be good for. And then once I um, linked in with Greenlight, I am now using it um, – before training which is a very different kind of experience for me um using the raw cbd oil as a um like more energy um kind of thing helping with recovery obviously um that's just like the main thing but yeah but the energy was like a new sort of perspective for me i've never really realized that it could be that beneficial um so i do 10 drops before and 10 drops after as recommended and um and that's kind of yeah, really helping me mainly with energy recovery. Um, I use a topical balm. Obviously, that is just in itself going to be the healing properties. Um, when you look back, back, back in history, um, a lot of the soldiers in um, probably the First World War mainly um, were using the cannabis plant topically, mashing it up and putting it on wounds to help heal. So THC and CBD both have massive healing properties, um, which can help with things like bruising and muscle relaxants and that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, you're getting kind of a little bit of everything. Um, depends who you get I guess, your CBD I, I, from. I guess what I'm saying is like, does it actually work or is it is it more of a, at the moment, as I say, not a fad, a but like a, mar- a trend, a marketing kind of thing. Like, do do you seriously feel the benefits? Is is basically um, the the the, yeah. the question? Yeah, of course. For energy, surprisingly, yes. Like, um, I feel like my endurance is just a tiny bit better. I guess mentally as well. Um, but my biggest relief that I have ever gotten from it is definitely sleep and anxiety. Um, just switching off, trying to mellow down. I'll use it in a tea in the afternoon to like start mellowing down. So I not only use the, the tea itself, I guess, as a warm kind of comfort, especially with the colder weather at the moment. Um, but, but yeah, then, then as a muscle relaxer and then, and then chilling out, like, like getting a little bit less anxious and turning your head off a little bit more. It just, it just helps to mellow. And I mean, for a lot of people, they're kind of saying that it may just be placebo, but they're still going to take it anyway. And I mean, it may be like, it honestly, maybe because I don't, I know that the sciences are still um, very weak just because of the limits and being able to research certain things. But at the same time, I know that there is a lot of studies and, and research that is positive in, in, in um, favor of CBD. So 
just sort of depends. But I, I personally find anxiety, which is a big thing for me. Um, I'm just one of those overthinkers and, and I'll be very wide, especially if I've got training and a fight going on and I'll be kind of like, I've got to go, go, go. I need to get that good night's rest as well because it goes hand in hand and um, CBD helps me wean into that. Nice. So let's go back to the um, uh, the, the lockdown. Um, yeah. uh, it, it's funny that you were talking about um, buying all the vegetables and stuff like that because mm. I think the two the two new professions that everyone's like uh, come out of this lockdown is they've either become a cook or they've become a uh, a gardener, right? Like yeah. everyone's like posting that like <laughs> look at my veggie patch or, or look at this meal that <laughs> I've created, Thanks. right? You on the other hand have um, started in the world of gaming, Yes. Yeah. How how did that all come about? Have you always been been a gamer, or has this been like a an upskill, as they would like to call it, through the pandemic? Um, yeah. Well, I to be honest, I have always been a gamer. I'm my mom and I both had, and I say that as because we shared it at PlayStation One when it came out, and um and yeah, we used to play a lot of games. To be honest, a lot of old school kind of Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, that kind of thing, and a couple of other ones, and then my grandma had I don't know if she had the PlayStation 1 or she had the PlayStation 2 but she had a PlayStation at her house so I would play um I think it was the Olsen twins did like a horse riding (laughs) game or something I don't even know but this was a long time ago and then of course um just as I got older I, I remember buying a PlayStation 2 like after the PlayStation 3 came out, so it was a bit cheaper. And I would play that at home, um, more Ratchet and Clank Spyro. And then um, and then I started being a little bit too busy just to, to game and that kind of thing. I've always kind of played um, Call of Duty. I guess I, I started that on PlayStation and then a few people wanted me to play on Xbox. I'm just not a mess. Massive Xbox player. So on that, yeah, uh, I was going to ask <laughs> you. I, yeah, <laughs> are you team... PlayStation or Team Xbox? Team PlayStation. I've got to stay with my roots. You know, that was that was sort of what, I guess, um, yeah, paved my little childhood. And then, yeah, PlayStation. And uh, at the same time, when I was in high school, we all had uh, laptops. We were like the first year level to have laptops as like a tester thing. And I had a Game Boy simulator on there. I had a um, Nintendo 64 simulator on there. I would play Halo on there um, using the lands. And so we had multi-story buildings. So we would have the people that were underneath us jump on that same land and um, and would all be playing, yeah, Halo on this on the same map and stuff. And you would just USB new maps to each other. And so, yeah, so I've always been a gamer of, of all varieties, not just um, not just PlayStation, but, but yeah, mainly of all varieties, especially Pokemon was something that I was massive, massively into because I've always been a Pokemon fan. And then I got Pokemon Go when it came out and I got a bit obsessed and then let it go. Lucky I don't have an addictive personality because I heard that went a bit haywire for a few people. But um, but yeah, now I guess um, after people traveling- People are still playing that now. I know. I, I literally, I literally day, every, every once like, in a while what? I come across someone and they're like, oh, do you know where this is? And I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, Pokemon Go. And I'm like, still? Is there still- Pokemon around? Like, right, are like, they left? Like, right, I don't like, know. I, I, I literally, it, 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 it cracks me up. Um, so you obviously do a bit of online gaming. Yeah. What, what, what's your gamer tag? Um, my PSN and Holo, uh, my PSN and Fortnite tag is Hollowpoint-15. Obviously, I tried to keep it Super Bowl and not have my actual... When I first, like, um, got my PlayStation like again after traveling and I uh, at the start of COVID I got a PlayStation for myself and I um I was like oh my username says Janae Harding and then I was like 
wait a minute, like I'm playing online now. Like I can't be going around with Janae Harding like kind of people like people on the internet are wild, so for one. And um you don't want people using your name to like make fun of them and stuff like that, or they make fun of you. And so yeah, so it's hollow point hyphen fifteen. And um my Twitch is just Janae Harding. So I have been twitching. Um Hopefully in the next week, I've been saying this for a very long time to my followers, so I'm sorry if anyone's watching right now and they're like, you've been saying this for ages, but I've been, um, I'm going to get a capture card and um, a laptop and set up a proper Twitch stream so that people can watch me using OBS or I'll stream through my phone. So I've got my actual face on it now, whereas a lot of people have just been watching me play um, and mainly Fortnite. Um, but yeah, I'll be playing some more stuff, scheduling in some more games um, like Spyro. I was going to do like a... Um, a game try of like Far Cry um, because it was it was actually I, I had a little tester of it and I was like this is freaking me out so I was like this needs to be twitched because <laughs> I'm like a little bit scared playing this game but um but yeah so I'll, I'll just kind of build that up a little bit more I love gaming so what a what a great way and what a cool thing to be able to take over to the US or to wherever I'm fighting with me um take my PlayStation with me and just sit in the room and game especially at the moment now that we all have to isolate so you will be seeing a lot more of my face. <laughs> so what do you think it is with, uh, I mean, a lot of fighters, but like athletes in general, like a lot of them are gamers, right? Like yeah. what 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 do you think that is? Do you think it's that generally speaking athletes have um, more time to, to kill? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess there could be an argument that it helps with uh, your reaction times and, and stuff like <laughs> that, I, I, I guess. I don't know. Um, but why, why do you find that – because when I say that, you know, typically speaking, back years ago, mm. you know, you used to be like uh, games of kids. And then obviously it grew where people started seeing money in there too, right? And they're like, well, it's not for kids, you know. This guy's making like yeah. $3 million playing video games. Winning a tournament. Right. Um, but as I say, um, uh, you know, I mean, when you look at uh, now 1FC, but um, – you know, the UFC flyweight champ, Demetrius mm. Johnson, is massive on gaming. Has his massive, own company too. Right? Um, yeah. I mean, he's an ex-boxer, so we won't talk too much about <laughs> him. Uh, but even like Jen, Jens Pulver, um, you know, I, I, I keep in touch with him. He's a massive gamer now too. Like, yeah. so, and, and so he's obviously retired. So he's definitely above that age bracket that most people would <laughs> normally say that that's the age of a gamer. But what do you think it is? Yeah, why, why do you think... So many are drawn to this 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 gaming industry now. Is it that the games are just that much better that it's now for everybody? Like, what what do you think it is? Probably that too. But I think um I think one yeah accessibility would be a big thing. Everyone can just buy a PlayStation. Like they're pretty affordable now as well, which is the great thing. It's not something that only I guess the the top tier or the the richer class have it's something that pretty much everyone can have and you can use it not just for gaming you can use it for your netflix and your disney plus and all that sort of stuff and your stand and everything and then kind of use it for the internet if you want and and all sort of of other things now i think but i think mainly like with mixed martial artists we train so much and we kind of obviously are go 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 all the time we need a an outlet and, and just something where we have a downtime and i think for a lot of people it's i mean a lot of average joe people as well it's like watching tv shows or watching netflix or binging yeah binging streaming um kind of facilities and so now i think people are like oh well, i can also get my little bit of game um downtime from gaming and i think um 
the cool thing about gaming is that it's also it's like an anti-social social thing so it's sort of like especially for me being a bit of an introvert which surprises people I'm, I'm I would much rather kind of chill at home by myself than kind of go out into big crowds um, unless it's something that I I was invited to or something that's specific for things that I want to do um, but in a, a whole sense I sort of would much rather chill at home. And the cool thing about gaming is that now I can not only chill at home and game, but I'm not sort of shutting out the world. I'm playing with other people online and then I'm also able to interact with my fans and they can ask me questions and be a little bit more involved with me and and get to know me a little bit more, but without me kind of having to go outside and, and yeah, really push too much and put too much pressure on it because it's gaming. It's so much fun. Like you can be bad at gaming and still enjoy it. Like I'm luckily quite good <laughs> like See, I, I, I was one of lie. those people. I mean, Call of Duty, I wasn't too bad. But then, mm-hmm. um, what was the other one? Battlefield. I oh. the new Battle, Battlefield. I get oh, like yeah. one kill. You know, like it was Bruh. just it, it, <laughs> Battlefield is tough. Battlefield is tough. It's not. Yeah. It's not Call yeah. of Duty. Call of Duty is so easy. Like I, you know, I'd get my 15, 16, 17 kills. But like <laughs> yeah. Battlefield, I was struggling. Now, and, and I have to agree. Like, like I've stopped gaming. Um, but for one reason, one reason only, and that was like I wasn't getting sleep, right? So my my yes. problem my my problem is like I agree. <laughs> for me, the 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 big positive out of it was the social aspect, and there's so many people that um, even now are kind of like, man, I miss it, you know? I really yeah. do because like it it was like every night you'd get on and you'd just talk shit for an hour, <laughs> yeah. but the problem is that hour would normally turn into four another five game, hours and all of, and all another of us yeah and all of a sudden it's like 3 a.m in the morning and you're like oh man I, like i gotta go one more game one more game yes. you know and and i think that was the negative for me was the fact that i would get too involved to the point where as, as i say you're like oh it's four o'clock in the morning i've got to be up at six you know and 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 all of a sudden it becomes a massive problem right 100 percent. like i'm saying like anything in extreme amounts is bad so and i'm i can be like that too if i if i haven't won a game for like three games i'll be like no one more like i'm not leaving on a low but at the same time like i just i think that's why i'm trying to like schedule times and then um if i can schedule twitches then it makes me a little bit more accountable for um, so like being on time for other people and then having certain windows. And I guess once I have my, like a schedule for my training that can help with the, I guess, scheduling and gaming. So um, it depends. And like I'm saying, like I do try wind down at night. So I'll try to get get my tea and, and get like my heat pack and, you know, like chill out before bed um, and maybe watch a movie instead of gaming because gaming can get quite competitive and quite intense. So it has to be sort of that balance of choosing when to game and not doing it right before sleep. Otherwise you'll be a bit wired and, and yeah, trying not to stay up too late. <laughs> so you say your uh, tag is Hollow Point, which is also um, your fight name. Yes. Um, how, did, how did you come about I guess choosing choosing that as uh, as your name. Yeah, um, we were just sort of. It wasn't necessarily any sort of, I guess, organic kind of revelation or anything. We were sort of playing around with nicknames and that kind of thing. And and um, one of my my screen printer, which is sort of still my screen printer now, when I when I can get shirts, um, he is based on the Gold Coast, and he was just like he's very good at branding and and graphic design and stuff too. So that kind of helped. He was sort of thinking big picture, like I was. And um, he just suggested like 
um, we were like howitzer or hollow point or something, something along that way. That's something that's brutal, something that's, I guess, weaponry and, and relative to, to the sport. Um, and that's how we kind of fell across hollow point. And I was like, well, I always kind of wanted to go with the black and gold route. So that works. I mean, bullets are gold and we can kind of work that into all sorts of different, um, different things later on down the line. I knew, I always knew that I was thinking of the bigger picture as a brand, as a whole. Nice. And, um, so we'll, Actually, we'll just clear the air now, right? So you were born in Christchurch. Yes. Which, for people that don't know, is on the pretty island of New Zealand. Mm. I always say, like, you know, the North Island is... is, is Exactly, right? <laughs> I, I grew up in Dunedin, so oh, I, nice. I did, like, a lot of basketball tournaments um, in Christchurch. But I always say, like, yeah, the scenic island is is the south. Obviously, the business and, and, and the, I guess, happening island is, is the north. Yeah. Um... Well, well, we'll ask the hard one first. Wallabies or blacks? All blacks. All blacks, one, because we win, and two, because, yeah, I still have a New Zealand citizenship. I will still um, – I'd still try to represent the New Zealand flag as much as possible, and as much as I've lost the accent and that kind of stuff, I still, yeah, still very prideful of my people. So even though the Warriors are not the best team, I'll still back them, you know, over an Aussie team, that kind of stuff, and, and same with the, the World Cup and everything else. And did you think uh, Warriors, obviously, you're talking about NRL? Yes, yes. Um, how did you feel about, I forgot which four it was, but for the players just basically dusting their hands and saying, no, we're going back home. Um, did you think that was a little bit of a cop-out or, or could, could you understand that? I mean, you know, like I, I felt like they, at the start of the season, I was like, we owe them a lot because mm. they did make such large sacrifices, more than any other team, right? Like literally. Um, mm. But I found, you know, for the four players to kind of go back and it was at a point where it was kind of like, well, we don't have a shot now at, at the top eight, so we're just going to, you know, kind of leave. How, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I, do, I don't actually follow NRL that much anymore. I was brought up on NRL a lot, but um, and especially through high school, it was something that kind of was a great social thing for, for me and my f- group of friends to go and watch the footy. But um, at the same time, I mean, I don't know much on it, so I, I don't want to kind of give too much of an opinion. But I, to me, like, that makes sense. Like, I, I think if COVID has shown us anything, it's to value what we have and, and really value being around our family a little bit more and, and being home and, and surrounded by by a community in that sense and I'm, I'm assuming and I mean I felt like it's a lot traveling or or even living here in Sydney very isolated from from my friends and family my mum my is still back on the Gold Coast so it's sort of like yeah I can, I can get that 100% if you're if you've done most of your job um, and there's no sort of end in sight and it's not a positive end as, on top of that then then why not be spending your time wisely especially like with what all we've all of us have learned that i think it's best to spend our time wisely now and um and really take the time that the most important things at the moment are our family and friends so i think um for that reason like it i've always been able to go back to the gold coast and now i can't it just that in my brain has just been like so scary and so much more um intimidating and i i'm sure it's probably the same for them it's tough. So, and you you moved over to the Gold Coast at an early age. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you travel back often um, to back to NZ? Um, to New Zealand, not not as often as I would like. Um, when we first moved over to the Gold Coast, we were going back at least once a year. Um, and then I guess just as I got older, life came in the way. I started traveling. 
um mom has her job and it's just sort of a bit harder to to schedule um trips especially especially for me not knowing when I'll fight I can't really schedule a trip in and just in case it's going to clash with um other things but I tried we will definitely go back soon like especially once COVID's kind of finished we definitely want to go back mainly for my um my grandma um she's um yeah had a had a few surgeries while we've been sort of in this COVID and um she's obviously you just never know with uh, your older grandparents and that kind of stuff so it'd be great to go back there and um and see her and and I guess yeah just just see my family I uh, last year at the start of last year I did go to Auckland I got to see a lot of my my father's family um which I'm not very close with but I I kind of wanted to make that effort especially as an adult now and that worked out really great for me in a sense and I, I obviously told them that I would come back and I, I haven't since um life's just been crazy but hopefully especially after this COVID I'm like okay that that's a sign that I need to really put effort in and mom wants to do somewhat of a road trip so um we might as well make a kind of thing of it and and block out some time for that. Nice and then obviously you spend some time up up on the Gold Coast uh, I'm sure you know you yeah. spend plenty of time on the beach and then you finally decided to come down to, to, to Sydney, which is where you're where you're at now. Um, so we know you're an All Black supporter. We know that uh, you don't really follow the NRL, but I'm going to have to ask: State of Origin, are you a Queenslander or are you are you now a Blues supporter? It's funny, like every time when I was living there, every time the State of Origin would come around, I'd be like, I don't really care. It's whoever whoever wins. And now that I've moved, I'm like Queensland for life. Like I'm like no, like. I'm a queen, like, especially when you talk to people and they're like, oh, she's from Queensland. Like, like, it's a big deal, like, that kind of thing. Because now I understand the real difference between the people and the real difference between, I guess, like, the demographics. So it's sort of like, yeah, Queensland, for sure. Maroons, let's go. <laughs> if we have another set of origin soon, I hope. Well, I think they're going to do it at the end of the season or something like that. Yeah. So they will do it, but when, Change when, I, I, I don't know. Um, so what what brought you down to Sydney then, being a Queenslander? Yeah. Uh, why 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 Sydney? Um, it was a bit of a hard choice. I had been uh, traveling for about two years straight, and um, I did try to move to Sydney earlier, but it uh it just didn't work out. It was a bit hard. It's a very hard place, Sydney, um, in general, and it was hard to kind of get my my grounding and and get a job and that kind of thing so it didn't take I went back to the Gold Coast I was doing that kind of stuff and I just I remembered how slow things are and and that there's not a lot of things there that serve me a lot of purpose anymore other than my family but unfortunately at the moment the priority is my career so I had to sort of make the decision Sydney is a place full of a lot more opportunities and a lot more I guess uh, gyms it's a lot more saturated and and then as well it's just easier to fly out of Sydney it's much harder when I was um, trying to do a camp here, live on the Gold Coast. So I'd get to the end of my camp, I'd have to go back to the Gold Coast, change over my luggage, then go back to Sydney, and then go mainly to LA is usually your first port and then wherever else. So it was just a lot of travelling and a lot of headache and a lot of um, just extra organising when I should be spending that time travelling, um, that time training and eating um, exactly what I should be eating, whereas obviously travel kind of mucks that up a bit. So, so yeah, just, just making the decision to commit fully, it was a bit of a... A hard sort of thing to do and and it has taken me a little while to find my my proper grounding still um but I just sort of was like I need to commit to it 100% and and eventually now I have my own place and I have everything sort of come together I've got good gyms and good people around me and a good little network and and I can do things like this and it's not not needing to travel and I love the Gold Coast and I love my my support 
kind of crew that I have there, not only my mum, but but a lot of gyms and a lot of brands that still sort of support me, um, which is great. So it just means that, I mean, it's an hour flight away. I can always go back. Um, the Ruka headquarters is there too, so I can always just pop back for certain things, workshops, photo shoots, um, training, just whatever I need to do, my mum's birthday, if she has surgery, whatever it is, I can, I can, I've been able to easily just pop back and, and it's been not here nor there. So it's sort of like, as much as that has been a big sacrifice being away from my friends and that's the big thing, especially my best friend has, has young kids and I would love to be there to watch them grow up, but these are the sacrifices you're going to make. And I don't really think Sydney is somewhere that I would retire, but it's definitely serving me the proper purpose for now. And I bet you're glad that you chose Sydney over Melbourne right now. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right, like when, when you're talking about borders locked and stuff, like, I mean, because yeah. Melbourne's another one that you can fly out of easily as well. So I'm sure yeah. that that would have been a um, uh, an option on on the cards to, to take it down to Melbourne. Um, yeah. But I guess, all right, so starting your mixed martial arts career, um, you, you originally started with a... I guess karate background. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I read somewhere. Yeah. Um, so right. how how did you uh, originally get involved with I guess karate? Um, what were the circumstances behind it? Um, I guess like the main thing is that I'm an only child and my mum's a single parent, so hobbies were just like a norm. We just made sure, I guess, for the social aspect, and then again just to keep me busy. Um, keeping in different sports and trying different things and and allowing me to obviously stay active but at the same time um, have another social network around me um, because I I was lacking being an only child and not having a lot of family in Australia as well. Um, So I guess we tried literally everything, like anything that you could probably think of, I've done. I was very good at hockey. Um, That was probably one of my main sports, especially back in New Zealand. Touch football, which is very regular for a Kiwi to do. Um, hip-hop dance, basketball. Um, in school, I did netball, uh, not netball, um, volleyball, sorry, and uh, badminton and rock and roll dance. And So obviously, like, I'm a fairly active person. I have good genetics as well, so, um, and I'm a very quick learner. So for that reason, I was pretty much above average at everything. But there was nothing that was really sparking any fire. And then uh, I guess mum was like, oh, maybe we try an individual sport. I've always put you into team sports and it's always been positive I guess for me to know that you have a team around you but at the same time maybe we should try something different so um and we I did guess the that's when you thing. went to uh tennis no <laughs> yeah yeah or golf <laughs> and I really don't think that would have kicked off too well but but I mean uh yeah I think I think just karate the individual aspect I'm an only child so I'm very used to things being on me you know all, all the pressures on me or whatever whatever it is and having myself to rely on, that made a big difference. The funny thing is I wasn't like, I wasn't a standout at karate, to be honest. Like I was pretty pretty bad at competition in a sense. I didn't have that killer instinct. Um, and I mean, that was kind of funny because we were like, oh, that's, that's a bit of a shame. You don't have the killer instinct, but you really enjoy, like uh, there's sort of different, I guess, events that you can do in karate tournaments. And I was more of a kata person than a sparring person or a, like a point sparring or a um, continuous buying which is very unusual because obviously now I end up here um, and the crazy thing is I think once I transitioned over from karate to MMA it was just sort of the perfect maturity and the perfect fit for me at the time and then the things that went on in my life kind of at the same time matured me and made me feel a little bit more at home with MMA and I guess the the other aspect of MMA it's a little bit more of an expression um, not like 
bagging out karate, but obviously it's a little bit more interpretive to your own style and, and whatever you want to gravitate towards to. And for me, obviously it was striking and, um, but I could manipulate that to how I wanted it to be and how I kind of thought was best for me, especially being a young girl fighting a lot of adults. I was sort of like, okay, I can use my karate kicks, but I have to sort of make sure that my hands are a lot, my guards a lot better than it was in karate and then um, add on the jujitsu aspect of things. So I think for that reason, it was just like, okay, this is something that I'd love using my brain for constantly and coming up with new um, ideas and, 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 and investigating different styles and that kind of stuff. And that sort of kept me in, involved in it. And when did you make the, the, the switch and, you know, what I, I, I guess when you say you were doing karate and you weren't the best at karate, at what point did you go, A, well, now I want to go into a full contact sport mm. and – to when did you, I guess, make the switch where you're like, I actually want to make a career out of this? So I, I made the switch from um, karate to MMA when I was 15. Um, it just so I didn't even know what MMA was, to be honest, at the time. Um, my mum was working around the corner from an MMA gym. It was in kind of our local um, suburb. So it was easy for us to get to and... Um, I don't know, I just walked in and I was literally the only girl there and... I was going to say, <laughs> you must have been the only girl, right? Yeah. And, 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 uh, and I was going to ask on that, like, how was your mother about that? Like, was she as supportive there, like, you know, as you're doing karate and doing all these other sports where suddenly, potentially you're walking into a gym now where you're the only girl and... and, and youngest. I, youngest. And then, obviously, when it comes, as you get more serious into the sparring and stuff like that, I mean... I guess your original sparring partners were guys, right? Yeah. Like, so you were getting punched around by by guys rather than other girls your size and your strength. So, mm. I guess, yeah. How how was your was your mother still supportive then, or was she kind of like, oh, mate, maybe I've led her down the wrong path right <laughs> yeah, now? Like, maybe how, this isn't yeah. So the cool thing is that. Um, obviously my mum was wary, um, for sure it's a full contact sport, you walk into the gym, everyone's sort of, I guess, kicking and punching each other and, um, and that kind of thing. But I nailed like her support probably and confidence probably just came from my original coach, Vincent Perry. Um, he is probably the most like comfortable person you'll probably like, even on your first meet, you'll feel comfortable meeting him like seeing his passion about the sport, but at the same time seeing his maturity in a sense that he was straight away like, I wouldn't let her fight unless I thought she was able to. I wouldn't, you know, like just do that for the sake of my gym and just let her kind of compete so that we have another competitor. I would only let her fight if she was ready. Um, I'll obviously, as she's at a 15-year-old age, I'll obviously keep a really good eye on her and um, ensure that she's obviously not kind of a guest getting creeped on I'm, I'm assuming like thinking back then I was assuming that maybe just yeah just looking after me in in a in a more fatherly figure role and um and that in itself and continuously throughout the six or seven years I spent there um gave my mom so much more confidence knowing that I was in good hands no ego no bullshit just you know training martial arts and I'm there to get better and and of course through that I obviously had more than just Vincent as a as a role model and as a um like a supporter in that sense I had a community that came out of it a lot of the older jiu-jitsu guys were like brothers to me and and that really helped me through 
just, I guess, you know, that ugly 15-year-old age and you don't know who you are and you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know who you're going to be and that kind of stuff. And and just to have those guys around me seeing what they're doing and, and seeing them with their life switched on, their families and all that sort of stuff was just like, yeah, this is this is where I want to be and this is where I want to spend my time. And then I guess I got to an age, uh, I got to about 17, I graduated school and I was like, okay, what am I going to do at uni? I got into uni um, for communication and uh, I was always, I did always did okay at school, but I didn't do it anywhere near as good as I could have and what my potential offered just because I got a bit overwhelmed by things towards the, the last year, working, training, and then obviously trying to uphold our social life and then doing my schoolwork on top of that and trying to be a house captain and a, a school prefect and a um, trying to just, you know, be an overachiever basically, but not really doing anything well, um, a master at none at the same time. And it's sort of, uh, I mean, I, I finished in a good spot still as much as I didn't do as good as I could. I still got into university, but it wasn't, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. It was just, I just chose communication because I was like, all right, I'll do that one. Like, I don't know. It's just what makes sense. Because I, I like to communicate. Yeah, because I'm a great communicator apparently. And I'm, I'm not, I wasn't as well. Like I wasn't, I was okay at public speaking, but I mean, I wasn't anywhere near as good at speaking as I am now and that kind of thing. And I wasn't as socially kind of aware as I am now. And I didn't have that many interactions with like a whole bunch of people. And I converse with a whole bunch of people like I have now and traveled the world and that kind of thing. But, um, it, so I like at the same time, I'm not a citizen. So I was like, man, that's a lot of money to fork out for something that you're kind of like, meh, like, do I want to do this? Yeah. And so for that reason, I just sort of, I was at training one day. I mean, it had gotten to the point now I'm at training through my own choice. I'd, I'd taken a little bit of time off after graduating. Obviously, I had um, formal and schoolies but, um, and that kind of thing and, and just living my 17-year-old life, um, trying to figure things out and figure out what's next. Um, and then obviously mum was like, okay, well, I'm not paying for your training anymore. You're an adult now. Um, that can be your responsibility. If you want to go back, it's not just like a extracurricular kind of activity anymore. It's a, it's a hobby that you want to pursue, then that's on you. And I think that's the best way to do it, especially for martial arts, not forcing your kids into it and just making sure that they're choosing. And so therefore I was like, all right, well, it's really hard to catch the bus there. Um, so I need to get myself a car. I need to get myself enough money to be paying for fees. I need to get myself enough money to be paying for gear and all that sort of stuff and, and doing the extra ins and outs. And I might as well start doing this jujitsu thing a little bit more properly. Whereas I was sort of just doing jujitsu for MMA and as doing it as a hobby, cause I could only really train two, three times a week with school and working. And so I was like, okay, let's do this. And I did that and I was motivated to do that. And then once I went back to training, we had a, um, I had a guest coach, Mark Fior. He was there for, for Ben Alloway at the time, helping the guys out that were in the UFC. And he was taking a wrestling class. And I did a um, one of the examples on me. And um, I think you could just see I have very good natural ability. I have very good natural talent. And I'm very good at picking things up quite quickly. Um, and so he sort of just stood in front of me and was like, well, are you doing this as a hobby or are you doing this as a career? And I was like, I don't know, like nobody's ever asked me that. Also, women on the UFC, they're in Strike Force and Invicta, but I didn't know that you could really have a career because that's a very small pool of people. 
And um, I guess just in that moment, I was just like, well, if I have enough motivation to come here every day, um, sort my shit out to make sure that I have enough time, sacrifice being around my friends and drinking and all that sort of stuff to go to training and, and to do these kind of things. And I love it here and it really ignites a massive fire in me then why don't I just do this instead of uni? Like, why am I always searching? Because I guess that's the pressure you get from school. What are you going to study? What are you going to study? Who are you going to be? Are you going to be a lawyer or a doctor? Like, choose one of those two and hope for the best. And it's like, man, like, I don't love either of that. Like, and so you just got to find, I've, I've always been extremely encouraged by my mom and I'm super grateful for that, that um, just to do what you love. Don't spend your freaking life doing something that you don't like. <laughs> but I guess on, on that point, like it, it would have been hard, as you said, like being the only female, I guess. Mm. And, and <clears throat> you know, I, I remember, you know, I mean, as as you say, like there there wasn't the the professional league either, and 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 things like that until the Ronda Rousey effect, and that kind of changed it for everyone. But I, I I do also remember you you did an interview I think 2018 where you even said that even in today's world, you know, people are still judging you more by your face than by your actual skill set. You know, so I guess what are some of the challenges in in that sort of regards that that you face like i i i know and i don't know if it's a a male female thing but it's also i guess living in australia being so isolated and 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 i say that in the sense of you know you go to vegas you go to one of those gyms and you know they'll have have they'll they'll have girls to spar with Mm. and not just one or two they'll they'll have a whole lot you know where i i find here still, you know, you, I guess, as you said, that's why you, you came down to Sydney as well, is like the, the opportunity even just for, for sparring partners and, and things like that. Like, um, and I guess before you signed um, with Bellator as well, um, being on the national circuit, you know, like how many opponents are there really nationally, mm. you know, compared compared to the guys, yeah. right? Like the guys could, could pretty much find a, a fight every three months easy you could do you could do that but I guess um these are some of the struggles that you probably had to go through so yeah so what are some of I guess your struggles and also do you think it has changed over time like have you have you seen the change over time yeah definitely I mean when you look at say when I started at Puma I was the first ever female like fighter like proper fighter that kind of came out of there so it's not like Vinny had a whole lot of experience with females and in that turns it means like he didn't really know what to do for the weight cuts he didn't know what the difference would be um he he obviously wasn't expecting he was expecting it to be hard to find opponents but probably not as much as it was and then on top of that just like I guess I was a young female too, so I was going through my little spurts of having bad boyfriends and, and, and you know, like growing up in a sense and trying to figure out that balance between um, hanging out with my friends and, and training um, and competing. So it was sort of just like, I guess, a lot of unknown for him, whereas now I really do feel like I and our experiences together, as much as they may have been draining and not always positive, um, definitely gave him the the means to be able to teach people like Chelsea Hackett and a few other girls that now go there and that's perfect because he kind of I guess he kind of understands um and so that's sort of it's not just about there not being a lot of people that do it it just causes that 
um, to be a succession of how the coaches experienced and that kind of stuff. So that was a bit hard. We were both learning on the job in that sense and especially me not knowing much much about MMA being at such a young age um, and most of my role models were all males so it wasn't like I could relate to them wholeheartedly. It was only a certain amount. Um, and then, yeah, and then like the the scene, it made me make decisions that I probably wouldn't have made if I had more like more things available to me especially in the way of opponents and opportunities if I had more if I was a male and I had more opportunities I had a whole lot of other people that I could fight I probably wouldn't have fought Jesse Jess as one and oh and she was six and four I probably wouldn't have taken a fight up against Arlene on like a two-week notice as she'd already both of those girls had already fought overseas and then come back and were only on a temp kind of in between stage where they were coming back and fighting me who was basically a journeyman like in that sense but in a journeyman in the sense that I wasn't experienced like I wasn't ready for those fights as much as in my head I knew that I was physically capable and I had all the talent to beat these people and I, I, I did and I still do it just doesn't mean that that equates to cage time and experience and understanding of making these correct decisions and getting a full camp and and the valuableness of those things of setting everything up professionally um if i had taken that professional approach in that sense um from the beginning it would have been a different story in the way of my record i think i would have shot through the scene quicker but at the same time i wouldn't be the fighter i am today and i as much as it was hard i am super grateful for where i am now and then at the same time i can see other women that are coming after me and other girls that are coming after me, especially from the Gold Coast, especially on the local scene, that I have kind of helped that whole middle ground to be, yeah, I guess blurred out. You can take it seriously from the get-go and not make those decisions and and hopefully it just influences you to get to where you want to be a little bit quicker. And I, I mean, like, I come from that somewhat in the middle of like the original pioneers of Australia and then somewhat into the new school I'm somewhere in the middle but I also sort of was paving the way for people after me and I really feel like that sort of helped um in a lot of ways and as I say I mean uh, as we discussed before the podcast um you train with Danny who who I've had on this and and, and I sometimes see both of you guys posting like these sessions now where you've got 10 12 females and it's actually a females only uh, whether it was wrestling or I don't know what you guys are doing, but uh, yeah. you know, like you wouldn't have got that, you know, a few years back. It just wouldn't have happened. No. And and it's actually really good to see that there are so many, I guess, pro proactive now uh, female fighters that are also helping each other. You know, like yeah. at the end of the day, you guys are all helping each other, and and it's 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 a really good thing to see. On training, I just wanted to ask you, ethos. Yeah. What it what, what's the deal with that place? Because um, I've never been, I, 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 will, I will say that, but I, I just see that every single fighter, guy, female, whatever, seems to be going to Ethos. What What is going on over there? Like, what are they selling to you? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> what what, no, no, so <laughs> what, what is Ethos? Is, is, is it a different kind of training or what? Yeah, as I said, like, once again, I mean, going back to, I mean, fads or whatever, it's just... I. I see everyone, you know, from from Bellator to UFC to boxers to yeah. It just seems like they're all going there. What what is it about Ethos that I guess they're doing differently, or are they just another gym that's just got a really good reputation? So I think the cool thing that um, so me as the the head coach there, um, it's not I guess your conventional gym strength and conditioning kind of uh, setup in a sense where. Um, 
Mir and the other guys there, mainly Jordan and Matt, um, and then they have interns that are underneath them that haven't quite graduated yet. Um, they all work together to create programs for each of the athletes. And then, of course, instead of it being like you have a PT, say, at 9.30 in the morning and you stay there for an hour, it is more of when they're open, which is between certain blocks, um, you rock up, you grab your um, program out of the little file and um, and then you start off on your, your workout. And if you need help, the guys are available there and there's not a lot of – like it's not oversaturated with um, civilians, I guess, in a sense – um, that they're easily accessible. They can help you time your exercises. They can help you uh, help spot you, uh, um, whatever you need to help, help you with the exercise and make sure that they're critiquing your form and that kind of thing. And then, of course, um, he's created a culture where he's really – sorry um, – looked and tried to head towards a lot of combat sport athletes so therefore for us um a lot of I know that me personally I I get a little bit intimidated at conventional weightlifting gyms and and I guess um especially yeah the conventional kind of fitness gyms it's a lot saturated with civilians not only that but they're just doing I guess the same same things and especially in Sydney not to bag it but in in general like a lot of people in gyms are just wearing like no clothes and just they're kind of treating it as a nightclub to, to pick up and, and to do whatever and less about fitness and that kind of thing. And obviously as You've an athlete... You've got to get your selfie. Yeah, otherwise it didn't happen because, um, cause yeah, it's for the gram. And, um, and that's fine. But for me personally, obviously I have an athlete mindset and I want to go in there with a purpose and um, with intention to obviously better my position and, and my abilities. So um, for that reason, going to Ethos just changes that kind of culture a little bit. It um, It is a whole lot of other guys that are doing jiu-jitsu or boxing or MMA or whatever it is and um, and a lot of the high-level guys as well. So you know you're right next to people who are in the same mindset and in the same boat as you and you can all kind of work together for the same goal. And it just um, – at the same time, they're taking – so they've just moved facilities, so they are taking – civilians now as well if you want to rehab um, an injury or you're just looking for just a little bit more professional approach towards your strength and conditioning you have an actual goal and that kind of thing um, that's not just I guess aesthetic based as well um, they can help you with that and and at the same time it uh it just offers a different environment a less intimidating environment to me more hands-on um, I don't kind of slide under the radar and do the wrong squat form for six weeks. So there's no way that that would happen. And and that's really what I wanted because I wanted to – I'm always one of those people, if you're going to do something, do it 100%. So, so would you compare it to – because I know you've been there. Would you compare it to, say, like the, the, the PI in Vegas? Similar. I mean, I know that the PI is a little bit more um, individual one-on-one aspects because they have a few more trainers. Um, but when I was there um, – the facilities and the vibe really simulated that that of ethos. Like it did kind of give you that vibe that pretty much everyone in the building is combat sport minded. So therefore, well, you, well, you have to be yeah. a fighter. You, you like literally, you it can't was. get into the PI unless you're a fighter or part of that fight camp, right? Like now, but yeah, it was you, like yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, coming with someone else. Like basically, when I was there, everyone was coming in with me, and I was like, oh. This is weird. <laughs> but, like, I was just there for the Contender Series. so it w- But it was cool because you could really tell that even when you're sitting and having lunch in the cafeteria that they have, it was only those people. Like, m- m- the biggest, like, kind of, I guess, non-fighter was, like, Megan Olvey. And it's like, okay, yeah, she deserves to be here. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, it's cool in that sense um, because, yeah, you, you're just surrounded by other people that are on the same boat and understand what you're here for and what you're doing. 
And the good thing about the PI was also like, you know, they got the cafeteria <laughs> set up for the athletes and, and, and oh I God, mean, they literally amazing. got everything, right? Like yeah. from the spas to the saunas to Just like... Go get a pocky bowl and then I mean, go I think they even had a tanning bed in there, which is... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the hyperbaric chain bar. Right. And so the nap pods. Was like yeah, the nap pods was yeah. good. Um, so you, you say you, you went there for the Contender Series. How did that all pan out for you? Yeah, I mean, it was a great kind of opportunity that came by when I was in Thailand... I was coming off a win in um, Hong Kong against Ramona Pasquale and um, I guess I got the call. Up, I, I'd linked in with my manager and I got the call up to, to get on the contender series and it was such a great opportunity. Um, it was at bantamweight, which was a bit of a struggle, especially even then I was living in Thailand and I was holding on to a lot of water weight and I was sitting a little bit heavier than usual and that kind of thing. And um, I had the opportunity to go to Vegas um to do my media and my promotional work and all my medicals and stuff so to get like an MRI in my head and that kind of thing since the UFC is quite professional in that sense they um thought it would be easier to get me to go over and I was the only international person on the entire eight weeks because back then it was only eight weeks um and it was the first season of it too so so they hadn't really gotten their ins and out of what they were going to do with the international people um so I was the only one and, um, and yeah, I guess the negative about that is that I needed a visa. And um, after I came back from doing my medicals and, and, um, and my media work, I had uh, gone back to Thailand and I was ready to fly out maybe like two, three weeks later. And I think on the, the day before I was going to fly out, like legitimately the day before, they were like, oh, your visa's taking too long to come through, so we've just replaced you. And I was like, okay that's what you get but like that's big business and that's how it is and and somebody else can obviously benefit off the opportunity but at the same time it was super devastating like I had um gotten my mindset right I had gotten it was a very winnable fight for me like I was ready to not only go in and perform but perform extremely well and um and just the only thing that I was I guess stressing about was the weight cut but um but at the same time Everything happens for a reason and, and yeah, it didn't work out. And now I have a little bit more understanding of the visa process for one and two, I'm at Featherweight and I'm a lot more comfortable and a lot happier kind of day-to-day working um, at Featherweight. And then on top of that, for every door that closes, another one opens. Exactly. And, and, and in comes Bellator, right? Yes. So w- was that pretty much on the back of that, right? Because Basically. Yeah. I mean, it was, I think, maybe like two months later. So those two months were a bit horrible for me in the way of mindset um, because I was like, oh, well, I haven't fought in a while and I had this contender series thing lined up, which also meant that I had uh, expectation for um, finance because I was going to earn a certain amount and I was living in Thailand with no job. So um, it was all about money coming in, money coming out. And uh, and yeah, without that, I kind of didn't have as, as much direction. I was like, I really don't want to give up this spot that I have um, at Tiger Muay Thai and in Thailand, just getting the exposure, working with my manager closely. Um, I knew that if I had gone back to Australia, I'd just kind of go back to square one, the reason that I left in the first place. So basically a couple of months later, I was so happy to hear my manager message me and be like, Bellator has contacted us. So we didn't even contact them, which was even better. I kind of knew that I was pushing my social media and trying to, I still only had probably like 3,000 followers, but it was still just trying to push it in a general sense, do what I could, hashtag, get my name out there, tag all the promotions in there and just do what I could with what was available to me and what I could control. And um, and luckily they were like, yeah, we don't have a bantamweight division, so do you 
want to come in at a featherweight and we're trying to build this division I was like what a fantastic opportunity to be a part of something that's yeah slowly going to build and slowly going to dominate the featherweight women's divisions and 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 it has so yeah and so obviously you you fought from four times um you've gone two and two yeah um is that the end of your contract or like because because normally it's a four fight deal right usually it depends what your um your manager does and and what kind of manager you have i guess um but mine was a five fight contract um but fortunately before the last um, fight the fifth fight I um, re-signed with them um, I've got a new deal now and so therefore I have another four fights with them so I'm locked in for another I guess you don't really know how long this time because of COVID it's stretching it out but but yeah at least another four flight fights. So what is it like being under Bellator I guess during the COVID because I mean obviously UFC have made it quite, kind of public now right they're, they're running the show I mean Bellator yeah. are back as well um, but UFC have had that whole fight island thing, right, for the international yeah. fighters. Now, um, Bellator are back. I mean, they had Bader um, fight last weekend. Um, yeah. But being in Australia, like, is there any opportunities at the moment or, or are they just putting you on the shelf? Is that is that also maybe why – I mean, no, because you took the uh, boxing fights last year, right? Yeah. Um, so that – I was going to say, is that why you've been able to take – like what, what what's the deal with that as well like are you exclusive with Bellator or they allow you to take these boxing fights so I am exclusive but just if I do want to compete in a different sport not in MMA obviously I'm not going to compete for another MMA promotion but in a different sport I just need to go get permission um sometimes I guess the communication does get a bit lost in in through me to my manager to them to to and all that sort of stuff so sometimes it doesn't always end up the best but I my kind of thing is that uh, and I shouldn't really be like this because I, d- I do love my opportunity and I love the promotion that I'm with, but I, I also want to stay as active as possible. So I guess in a selfish aspect, pretty much all selfish fighters are pretty selfish and egotistical, but I, d- I just want to keep active. And, and I think, um, and I'm, I always pr- prioritize my MMA and my Bellator fights especially. And so I always make sure to book boxing fights after or like at a time where there's no way that I'll get an MMA fight and I'm almost kind of glad that I did do that in November um, because that was the last time that I fought obviously since then we've had a lot of unknown and and, um, and I always say that I mean it's better to stay active in anything you know I I mean I related back to basketball because that was my kid uh, sport as a kid and I it's the same thing you know we used to take 103 throw shots a day a day yeah now you don't shoot for six months yeah, you've still got that shot. Like, I'm not saying it'll all... It's like riding a bike. It's not like you'll forget. Yeah. But it won't be sharp, you know? So I, I, I totally respect the fact that you go out there and try to stay active. But in, in, in that regard, have Bellator reached out to you at all? Like, are they trying... Are, are, are they trying to maybe do a fight island? Or or, or what... what have, have they spoken to you at all? Like, what's... What's yeah. kind of going on there? So I, <clears throat> especially when they first went back to doing shows, I was like, man, that's fantastic. But at the same time, I'm sure there's a lot of unknown in the way of international travel and how we can sort that. Um, but now that I understand that we should be able to do that, fine. I've sorted my US visa. Um, it may not be something that I would need to use in a sense, but I mean, I need it to get paid. So <clears throat> no matter where I fight in the world, it I still it's still coming from the US company. Um so that's all sorted. So I've done everything on my part that I can. And, um, and yeah, we're looking at having something within the next few months um, 
They've announced a few dates of a few shows, some of them international, some of them um, in Connecticut and the Mohegan Sun, like you said, um, Ryan Bader for, and they're having a bulk of their shows there. And I know, um, obviously, there's another Aussie in Australia um, that also probably needs to get a fight very soon. So um, for us, I think I think they're working on it, obviously, mainly for her. So in that sense, I can kind of, I guess, benefit of the fact that they really want to get their international fighters back on. And uh, um, even over the weekend, you had uh, Vlad, um, I think that was his name, I don't remember, the guy who beat Ryan Bader. Um, but yeah, obviously he comes from Russia and, and they sorted that out. So if you can get people into the US, I'm sure we can go other places and I'm sure just through a little bit of logistics and obviously the ideas of testing and isolations and quarantining on the way back and that kind of stuff, we'll just have to cross those bridges when we get to them but yeah hopefully definitely by the end of the year but but hopefully within the next few months I can uh start announcing stuff or start start really like locking things in and when are you going to get in their ear about potentially bringing a card to Australia <laughs> right because like I mean it's got to kind of suck right in 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 a sense that I I kind of feel like you're on the back foot every single time because Traveling. you got to travel mm. right you got the jet lag I mean to a degree even if the, the card's here. I mean, when UFC come here, for instance, like fighters are fighting at 6 a.m. in the morning. So I kind of yeah. I kind of feel like we have the, the raw end of the deal anyway, right? Either it's way. kind of, like, <laughs> it's kind of like, yes, we're doing it on your turf, but it's at 6 a.m. in the morning, so we're on American time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, do, do you think, because I know that they do their European cards, but do you think uh, Bellator will ever, I guess, venture, venture into our market? I definitely think so, especially... Um, they're obviously trying to push more Australians. I mean, they they signed um, Beck Hyatt, uh, Beck Rowling, sorry, and uh, and um, Arlene obviously is one of their big bigger faces, especially. And um, and so I remember the, my very first fight was in San Jose, and I was lucky enough that Scott was there. And so obviously straight away my first thing was let's do this in Sydney one day. And I guess I didn't have that much pull because I hadn't even fought yet because this was at weigh-ins. But, um, but uh, you know, I, I really do think it's something that they're going to consider. Obviously, at the moment, there's way too many hurdles and it's not something that's realistic within the near future. But I would definitely say eventually, um, especially, hopefully, Sydney. And it's something that I've said as well. I was like, I always would have guys for you to fill your cards with. I know you ha- always have some locals on the prelims and that kind of thing. And I was like, that would be easy enough for us to do and for us to to connect um a couple of guys especially on the local scene you wouldn't even have to watch the local scene or pay too much attention to it because because all the information could come from I'm sure myself Arlene any of the guys that are involved um we've got a, a, a Kiwi on there as well um and so it kind of yeah I'm sure we kind of will get that exposure and we can use those guys and us big names uh, bigger names I guess um to pull some some gate not only gate but pull some exposure to it and and it would really kind of make make for a good show man i'm the aussie fans nothing nothing compares to the australian new zealand fans like and a bellator show is something to see i there's moments i've been to a few and and i have to say i i really do dig their 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 show right with with, with the 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 screens behind you (laughs) and the walkway and everything i i think they do a really really good job and as great as like when the ufc come i just think it is a different show i think the 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 production value of the of of bellator is is crazy like you know mm, like it's so. going back to the original where you have pyrotechnics and stuff i mean it's when you see yeah. sometimes one fc as well and you're looking at that and you're like man i wish they could bring that over <laughs> here right like it's kind of crazy um, with the lenny hard or 
remember that lady? Yeah. She's like the voice. Right. It was mad. Um, But talking about Beck, just real quick, Mm -hmm. she just came across from Bare Knuckle Boxing. Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously the big, the, the big news on that one at the moment is that they've now got Paige Van Zandt that's just signed to Ben. <laughs> how, how do you feel do you, how do you feel about Ben knuckle boxing first and foremost and do you think that uh, Paige has made a, a good good move going I guess from the UFC to I mean apparently she's getting paid a lot of money yeah um, but 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 do you think uh, that it's a wise move? Me personally, I mean, each to their own, but um, when you look at uh, Benaco or Lethway, those are two things that I would never get involved in. I'm sure maybe someone will quote me on that if I ever do, but I highly well, doubt it. Well, it's on the record right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> so we can snap this out and hold it against me for the next few years, but I really don't think. I think um, the thing with Benaco, and it's something that my partner's like, oh, I'd love to do bare knuckle. And a couple of my other training partners are like, yeah, I'd love to do bare knuckle, blah, blah, blah. I, I understand the raw factor and the, and the real primal, I guess, stripped back version of, of martial arts that you can benefit from, from bare knuckle. But at the same time, I fight for my future. I don't fight to, to be in like a coma or to be in bandages and, and strapped up and, and iced out for the next two weeks um, on painkillers because I've suffered that much damage. And you cannot leave a bare-knuckle boxing, unless you get a three-second knockout, you cannot leave a bare-knuckle boxing match without a, a bruise or a scratch or a hematoma or something. And those are all things that aid to brain swelling and brain hemorrhaging. So these are all things that longevity-wise I'm not ever interested in. I want to fight for a very long time and I'm young so I want to be able to fight um at least through another five years and and I feel like something like Ben Uckle would really stunt that that opportunity so as much as it may be for other people and I mean you can make great money off it and that's the cool thing it's adding a different aspect but it is also kind of adding a really brutal kind of aspect and and it's bringing in a brutal demographic um, in that sense, the the guys that are like just bleed and and that kind of vibe, and I don't know. For me personally, when you're sitting at a bar and and you see those people watching MMA, it's almost like they kind of ruin the vibe. Let alone if you had a whole like crowd of those people, wouldn't really be my sort of scene. Um, but that's personal opinion, and and I respect the guys that go in there because man, it's it's a brutal sport. Um, that's for sure, and uh, and I'm sure I'm sure as much as Paige is benefiting financially. Um, there is probably somewhat of truth behind behind the things that she's been saying. Like she doesn't want to just be seen as the pretty face anymore. She really does want to be seen as a brawler, or not a brawler, but a fighter. Which is kind of crazy, though, because I mean, her her whole uh, discussion was that she was making more of her Instagram than she was of the UFC, yeah. right? And I'm like, well, you're not wanting to be this pretty face anymore. But I'm kind of like, well, if where you're making money that's where you're making your money right now right like or in her words like i'm not even saying like yeah. that to to say no, that's, that's 100% what she's right but that's what yeah. she's been saying so it's kind of like and and that's what i mean like she must be getting paid some good good money um but yeah i'm i'm the same like i mean it's it's entertaining in a sense like you can't look away but on the same token i'm like oh i don't know if it, even I'd watching ever the do that. um poorly um I was yeah, versus um, um, Artem Lobov. Yeah, um, that was a horrible fight. Like, especially if you're looking at it from a technical aspect. Especially Paulie, who was a great boxer and did not show as much of the skill that he is capable of in that fight. And Artem, who was not a great boxer, who showed that you can get basically through on grunt. And I mean, it just changed the sport, especially going 
through boxing in the last year, especially really honing it in as a as an art and a science, um, the sweet science kind of gets taken away when you add that brutal aspect aspect of it. And it's like you can win and still hurt. Like I, the amount of times you see photos afterwards of the knuckles, yeah, and it's like hands. Like these are my money makers. What right. am I? I don't want to not I, be able to pick up my phone. I or. honestly think it's like the last hurrah. It's like yeah. if you retire, I'm dip in. You dip go, out. you go over there, and you get your last little paycheck and then then you're you've out experience you've created your legacy i also did this yeah. to my, tell my kids about it yeah and maybe yeah. dip out because that's not a not something you can do for a long time but um look we're we're going to get out of here um for sure. i'll hopefully get you back at some stage um but while we're on uh boxing mm-hmm. tonight we have the aussies battle it out once again so state of origin right I, you got true, you true. got you got sydney's tim Tzu didn't even think about versus uh queenslander <laughs> Jeff Horn. Yeah. Um, how do you see uh, A are you going to watch that fight and B how do you how do you see that one play out and are you back in the Queenslander? No, unfortunately not. Um, but yeah, I don't I'm not really looking at a state of origin. I'm more looking at it as a as a as a good solid boxing fight with two top tier guys in Australia and um, and just as as per I guess discussions that I've seen with um, my coach and, and my partner it just seems like a zoo style will probably take it. Um, Horn's obviously been in a lot of, of big battles recently and I'm sure that takes its toll and, and I've seen um, his recent fights and uh, and it'll just be, I guess it'll be exciting either way. Massive Costa Zoo fan. So I guess um, that kind of helps as well. But but I just think um, Tim's super talented on his own own accord and, and those um, short inside punches and just distance and, and pitter-pattering will really take him through to the to the further rounds if it goes that distance. And if not, um, it should just be a great fight either way. And, and some of the undercard fights on that are really good too. So as long as I finish training in time, I'll run to, yeah, try catch it. Um, but either way, I'll definitely watch the replay if I miss it because it's something that – Either in, if you know the result, you probably want to see the full thing. I'm sure it's it's like a near not failure. Like you can't go wrong with a fight like this. So yeah. All right, and now I'll just get your opinion back on Bellator. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's confirmed yet or not, but I have read somewhere that they're looking at Arlene being the first one to to um, try to take on Cyborg. Yes. Um, if that, I, I I don't know. Have you heard anything about it? Like, do you think that fight? is made because i read an article that i think or or something or scott coker said something in an interview that he was looking down that direction do you know anything about that Um, so i don't want to like obviously release anything that she doesn't release too but i mean when you look at even just straight after julia bud fought chris cyborg basically scott was already like well arlene's the next person so so yeah it's pretty much a no-brainer as well if they they put Chris up against anyone other than Arlene, it would be very um, insignificant and, and someone less deserving because there's no one more deserving than Arlene. Um, but I cannot wait for that fight, whether it happens sooner or, or later. Um, I, I'm backing the Aussie Anger, Aussie Girl like for, for sure. I, it would be like genuinely make me super, super happy to see her have that belt across her waist because honestly there's not a lot of people more deserving. Obviously if she was across the cage from me, I'm going to back myself, but if she's against anyone else, I would definitely back her in, in all fights. And Chris is a hard fight for anyone, as you can imagine, but um, but at the same time, Arlene has all of the tools capable for her to be able to take the win and, um, and it will just be a fight that I would not miss for the world. So, yeah. And Chris is beatable. That's the thing. Like, 100%. I mean, you've got to remember, like, Ronda Rousey for ages, right? Everyone's like, she can't be beat There's until no she got beat. 
Yeah. Right? Until Holly Holm beat her. <laughs> and then obviously Amanda Nunes came in, did the same thing again. And so I, I feel like the same with Chris. Like she just had this aura around her that she's just this unbeatable human. Yeah. And obviously she's been beat now. So and that's I, fighting. I, you know, and, and I, I think that's a good thing. Speaking of uh, Nunes. Mm-hmm. And an Aussie oh, girl. Oh, yes. Recent. Me- Megan Anderson, Nunes. Oh, uh, exciting. Uh, how, how are you seeing that one play out and who are you backing on that one? That's an exciting fight. Um, extremely, obviously, different styles in a sense as well. Um, I think if, if Megan uses her distance, and obviously I'm sure she's taken this time through COVID to, to fix up a few things because some of her last fights didn't go exactly her way. Um, and the, uh, just as long as those things get critiqued and she can use her distance, it'll be her fight. But uh, but if she, you know, lacks on the defense, um, someone like Nunez is not someone to muck around with. And um, especially her being the lady goat um, at the moment. Um, I love Nunez's style. And I, I, like out of the two, I, I, I gravitate more towards Nunez's style. And obviously on the ground as well, she's she's a killer. So, so for me... I, I would love I would love for Megan to win. I would love for her to utilize her distance and her length, um, and she could win. But but if Nunez touches her, then it's obviously very very hard to get up from any of those punches. Apparently. All right, and then we got two more, which are the guys now. Um, we got Khabib versus Justin Gaethje. Yes. Um, <laughs> how how are you seeing that one? Almost and who's your pick that. for that one? Um, I'd have to go Khabib. Like, um, I, I would love for Gaethje to win. And, I mean, he did so well against Tony Ferguson, um, who's a very hard style to, to fight against. And um, either way, it's going to be a great fight. I'm sad that we don't get the Khabib-Tony Ferguson fight, but this is definitely second best and, and just as good. So um, I would say um, Khabib's still such a dominant style, such a hard style to fight against. Gaethje is super talented, but um, but there's only so, so much limitation you have against someone like Khabib. And then last but not least, it's not the Aussie, but it's the Kiwi. Oh, Izzy. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Keep forgetting about right. all these fights that we have right. coming so up. So we've got so Izzy versus Costa. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, same thing. Who, who are you backing on that one? Oh. And, 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 and how do you see that one play out? Izzy all day, every day. Like, um, not to, to discredit Costa, but his style is just not my, my vibe either. Um, uh, especially seeing his fight against Yoar Romero. There was a lot of opportunities for him that he didn't um, kind of take and that kind of thing. And it was just a lot of sitting in the pocket and, and standing square in front of someone, which is definitely not something you want to do against someone as precise as, as Israel. And someone has calculated, like, he like people obviously forget how many kickboxing fights he's had, how many boxing fights he's had, but just the pure fight IQ he has from not only time within the ring or cage but also just from training and and really taking a different aspect he's really proving and paving the way for a lot of other people that it's less about come from slums and you're just like a hard hitter to being as precise as possible and being as accurate as possible and being as understanding and looking at the full game as a whole um more faints more distance more balance more all these little things that a lot of people have maybe neglected or thought that wasn't as important he has really proved that um against some of the greatest styles and some of the heaviest hitters it's still um still definitely highly successful so definitely back izzy and his style nice well, there we have it. I mean, look, as I said, unless there's something that you urgently need to bring out, um, I, I think we'll we'll call it quits there. We're already about 25 minutes over. So, uh, you know, the time does fly when you're having fun. Um, 
But uh, look, if, if anyone wants to reach out to you, whether it's, uh, you know, someone, I guess, uh, someone that looks up to you and, and they want to potentially start training or they want some advice or I guess someone who wants to um, be in your squad for, for Fortnite, uh, yeah. what, what's the best way for people to kind of uh, reach out to you? Yeah, so my biggest socials is uh, Instagram, so that's just at Janae Harding, J-A-N-A-Y. And um and I'm mainly pretty pretty responding on my my DMs as long as they're not creepy or disrespectful. Of course, um I'm pretty well at responding, especially to to anyone looking at getting into it or moving up or just wanting any kind of advice that I can sort of offer and from an experienced point of view. Hopefully, it's beneficial. Um, as well as that, um, Harding underscore Janae on Twitter, um, Janae Harding on Facebook. Um, if you guys want to follow my socials, Twitch Janae Harding as well. Pretty much just search my name anywhere. And then as well as that, Hollow Point hyphen fifteen on PSN and Fortnite. If you guys want to squat up and get some dubs, I'm into it. <laughs> Let's go. Well, there you have it, and um, I can't thank you enough. I, I, I mean, look, I, I appreciate every guest that comes on board. Um, but uh, I do appreciate the time that you've taken out and you've come in and um, I, I hope, as I said before, that we can get you on once again once maybe we have some sort of fight announcement or something like that. But until then, we are going to call it a day and that is it. <laughs>